Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about ways you can ground yourself in your body, and we'll talk to the brilliant writer and podcaster, Kate Bowler, about how to stay happier in these difficult times. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I am coming to you from my home office in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who has a birthday coming up soon. Elizabeth, I wish we could celebrate in person. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and um, Gretchen, I got your birthday present early in the mail, Yes. so thank you. (laughs) Maybe I'll, around my birthday, I'll share what it was. Okay, good. Yes, I just thought I'm going to go ahead and order it as soon as I think of it. I'm not going to try to time it well, given the strange times we're in. A few episodes back, we talked about the question of what to do with your diploma after you graduated and whether you should frame it or whether it was worth keeping it at all. And many listeners wrote in with different examples of uh, why they were very happy they had their diploma at hand or why they were very sorry that they did (laughs) not have their diploma at hand. Overwhelmingly, the advice is keep hold of your diploma if you don't want to frame it and hang it on the wall. Put it with your birth certificate or with your other important papers. Just be able to get your hands on it if you need it, because if you do need it, you will very much wish that you had it um, someplace convenient. So thank you, everyone who wrote in. That question is settled. Keep the diploma. Keep the diploma. Now, this week, our Try This at Home tip is to get grounded in your body. Yeah, Gretchen, this comes out of the book you're writing, which is about the five senses, and it's made you think a lot about getting grounded in your body. Yeah, and I think it's really important right now because a lot of us are feeling very disoriented, anxious, like spiraling out in our own heads. And a great way to give ourselves a feeling of calm and a feeling of just being present in the moment is to connect through our senses. And so, for instance, with sight, one great thing that's easy to do is to just go outside and look at the sky, really notice the colors and the light. We say the sky is blue, but many times of the day, the sky is not blue. What color mm. is the sky? Also, it shows, research shows that um, just getting sunshine in your eyes is really good for your body. So that's a double dose of good thing to do. Yes. And then another thing you can do is get out a photo album and really look at each photo closely. Yes. Don't just look at the faces, but look at the clothes, the decoration of the room or where you are if you're outdoors. Um, You can note how dated or not things look and then try to recall the memory of what that moment was like when it happened. Yeah, I think with photographs, it's easy to just kind of like flip through the pages or like Mm -hmm. look quickly at something that's framed without really looking at it and thinking, oh, I remember that necklace or, oh, I love that pair of shoes. Or I remember when my daughter wore that dress all the time, Um, really let it use your vision to bring back your memories. Now, with sound, one thing to do is just to choose a favorite song, sit down, close your eyes and really listen to it without distraction because it's easy to have music playing in the background. But it, not everybody really sits and listens to it. Some people do that, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. You can also go outside and listen to the noises you hear. Yeah. This is a good thing to do right now because a lot of people are hearing different noises from what they usually hear. Like, are you hearing more birds? Are you hearing less traffic? Can you hear the wind? Or what other kind of sounds? Yeah, this is a big thing in New York because the soundscape of New York City is just vastly different. I mean, we can really hear the birds, 
There's no traffic. It's, it's really very different. And another thing you could do is to play an instrument. Now, maybe you play an instrument like a piano or a guitar, or maybe you play an instrument, uh, a more playful instrument, mm-hmm. like kazoo or a harmonica or a whistle, wind chimes, xylophone, something to just, you know, really have fun making notes. And the next thing is smell. And this is one of my favorites. I have for a very, very long time mm-hmm. been completely preoccupied by the sense of smell. And I think this is a great thing to tap into. Don't you have a shrine to smell, Gretch? Oh, yes, I have a shrine to smell. Yes, I do. I will post a picture of my shrine to smell. But, you know, you don't have to go out of your way to get, like, you know, exceptional scents or buy perfume samplers, as some of us mm-hmm. are want to do. Just appreciating ordinary scents like vanilla or grapefruit or clean towels. Here's a fun fact for you. Go smell some black pepper. Because when, it, you know, it's around us all the time, but when do you really smell it? And consider this, in the Middle Ages, a pound of pepper costs more than a pound of gold. Wow. Now, black pepper, you can buy a pound for about five bucks, and a pound of gold is like $25,000. Wow. It's funny, Gretch, just hearing you say smell black pepper, my nose started tingling <laughs> like I was going to sneeze. Oh, that's so funny. You're very suggestible. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, yeah. Another thing you can do is if there's an area of your house or something in your house that is stinky, do something about it because few things are less pleasant than a bad smell. Yes. And it is possible to remove a bad smell. Yeah. Under the kitchen sink, something related to a pet. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've all been there and Mm -hmm. we're so happy when we get it under control. Uh, Now, taste. Uh, We talked about we're doing our Instagram lives every day. And one of the things we talked about on an Instagram live challenge was to really taste ketchup. And ketchup is interesting because it, it, it includes four of the five tastes. It's sweet, it's salty, it's sour, and it's umami. The only thing that it's not is bitter, and bitter, by the way, is the least popular taste. Mm -hmm. Um, But you could also try apple or cucumber or a cup of coffee. And then another fun thing to do is organize a tasting. So you could have a tasting for whiskey, for tea, for chocolate, for barbecue sauce, and then really notice the distinctions among the different examples. Yeah, because I think a lot of times you're just like, oh, one potato chip is like another potato chip, but actually they taste quite different. And it's fun to really zero in on those kinds of things. Gretch, mom did this um, with vanilla ice cream. Yes. She had a tasting um, of different kind of vanilla ice creams, which I thought was such a great idea because I'm always buying Jack vanilla ice cream and I have no idea which one is the best. So it's a great idea. I should do that right now. I'll make that my uh, goal of the week is to give Jack a vanilla ice cream tasting test. Well, first of all, it's really fun. Second of all, maybe you're paying for a premium ice cream, which doesn't actually taste better. Right. And then also maybe there's distinctions like, ooh, this one is more watery and this one is more creamy. And so, you know, like, oh, if I'm in the mood for this, I'll have this. Um, but yeah, it could be cheese, like anything that you like, you could do a taste test. So then for touch, one thing is when you take a shower, really focus on the feeling of the water in your body. I think a lot of times we use the shower as a place to zone out or kind of get lost in our thoughts, but you can really be very physically present. And also the lathery feeling of soap or shampoo in your hands. Mm. Like I love that feeling Mm -hmm. of having shampoo frothing in my hands, Mm -hmm. but I don't always pay attention to it. I also like shaving cream, the feel of shaving cream. Oh my gosh. What is more pleasing than shaving cream? (laughs) I love it. 
Of course, Gretch, you could also pet your cat or dog, and they will enjoy that. That's a nice way to get in touch with touch. Yes, yes. And what they've shown with touch, too, is like when people have skin hunger, if you're touching, that also feeds that hunger as well as as being touched. And so touching a cat or dog is uh, is very satisfying in that way. Um, If you're interested in thinking about more ways to ground yourself in your body, I wrote a post called Give a Sensorium Gift because we can sometimes minister to the spirit through the body. Or you can listen to Alyssa and me talk about the sensorium gift and what you might give as part of a sensorium gift in episode 265. So let us know if you do try this at home and how getting grounded in your body works for you. And what did you do to get grounded in your body? Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. Uh, it's happiercast.com slash 273 for everything related to this episode. And if you want to listen to episode 265 for the sensorium gift, I will post a link to that for sure as well. Coming up, we have a mug happiness hack. You know, I love anything about mugs, but first this break. You love a mug. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. And now we have a happiness hack, but I have to say that I'm very sorry to whoever wrote this hack because when I copied it, I forgot to copy his or her name. And so I am not giving a gold star to the person who gets credit for it. So if you hear this, email me and then I will give you credit in a future episode, (laughs) but it's a great idea. So we wanted to share it with everyone, even without the name. And Gretch, this hack predates uh, COVID, but I still think we could use it today. Yeah. She or he says, a close friend gave me a mug, and although it was very thoughtful, I just didn't like the mug. I've been wanting to get rid of it, donate, or re-gift, but felt bad because it came from a very good friend. I recently had the idea of putting a small plant inside the mug and using it as a pot instead of a mug. At the nursery in town, they have small plants that are only 3 to $5, and they will pot it for you if you ask. I went to the nursery right away, and now I'm much more excited about the mug with my new plant. I think this idea is useful in a lot of ways. Cheap, low-maintenance gift. Plants bring people a lot of joy. They are also trending. You can find a mug in your house you don't like or find one at a thrift shop. Pots can be expensive. A small mug is a nice alternative. If the person it is gifted to wants to drink out of the mug, they could replant the plant and use the mug. Double gift. Well, I think this is a great idea because 
It's really kind of a double gift. It reminds me of, I think it's in the Met gift shop. They have fancy teacups, but then it had a scented candle in it. Mm. So you could use the candle, but then when it was done, then you had this very pretty china teacup. So it's sort of a twofer. Yeah, and I like it because I do feel like sometimes you want to give someone a mug, but just giving them a mug might not feel like enough. Yeah. So adding the plant really makes it more personal. It really elevates it. Of course, I love mugs, Gretchen. So, you know, I love this idea. Yeah. Well, I think it's like when something is monogrammed, even if that's not really that much more valuable, it seems like a much more thoughtful kind of enhanced gift. This feels like a way to do that. Yeah. And like she says, or he says... This is it's like plants are very trendy right now. I think you could put a, a succulent in it, right? So yeah. it's, it is a lot of thought, and yet it still does stay pretty inexpensive. It can make a great gift, like when children have to give a gift at school, and it has to be below a certain dollar amount. Mm, this yeah. is probably something that would, would be good for that. It would feel like a real gift at a low yeah. price. Love yeah. that idea. Yeah, thank you for that hack. Yes. And now it's time for an interview. We are so thrilled to be talking to Kate Bowler. Kate Bowler was living an ordinary life. She was 35 years old. She was a professor at Duke Divinity School, married with a new baby when she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. This experience forced her to reckon with her mortality. In a truly extraordinary way, she has grappled with this experience. She has a wonderful memoir called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. And she has a terrific podcast, which we highly recommend, called Everything Happens. And Kate and her podcast are joining the Onward Project. That is the family of podcasts, which I team up, which are all about how to make your life better. So that's Happier in Hollywood with Elizabeth and her writing partner, Sarah Fain, Side Hustle School with Chris Gillibo, and Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban. And these are all podcasts about how to make your life better in all different kinds of ways. And Elizabeth and I are both such fans of Everything Happens podcast that it's thrilling that we will be kind of together in this family of the Onward Project. And we're so excited to talk to Kate today. So excited. Love, Kate. Kate, it's so great to talk to you. Aw, thanks so much for having me. Hi, Kate. Hey. Um, So, Kate, we interviewed you before in episode 239, and we had such a great discussion Um, In that conversation, you talked about how you live with dual timelines. You plan for now and you plan for the future. And we were wondering how this current world situation affects your thinking with that. Or does it? Totally. Yeah. It's like a return to toggle brain. (laughs) (laughs) It's nuts. And it's, I I don't want to say I'm happy that everyone is with me now, but it it is very comforting to see everyone have to do this, the same kind of work of horizon setting. Like Mm. we all want to make plans and then we are always bumping up against this kind of invisible wall in front of us where we're just unable to plan beyond that. And that's the kind of math that my brain is always running. And now that I'm doing it alongside everyone, it's a, it's a very surreal experience. Well, that's one thing I wanted to ask you is in a way, do you feel like other people have come to come into step with you more during this yeah. time? Yeah, I think we're all learning to speak the language of uncertainty uh-huh. together. And uh you know, whether it's parents trying to figure out what a school year feels like or right. spouses or partners trying to figure out um, what not hating each other feels like <laughs> within the economy of a day. Yeah. I think we're all we're all we're all like 
feeling our finitude and then trying to figure out like, okay, if if the, these are my limits, then what does progress feel like? How does time feel? It's a time of limited resources. So it, I think it requires different things from us. Well, you're kind of ahead of the rest of us with the challenges of toggle brain. Are there any exercises or strategies that you've developed to help you balance what's happening right now and how do I think about the future when it's when the future's uncertain? Yeah. Well, I guess a couple things I started doing in chemotherapy that's kind of serving me well right now, which is um, because before I never really you know, knew what I would feel like in a day, I would wake up and then I would be like, oh, this, you know, you kind of know like, oh, this is a good day or like, this is not a good day. And it sort of helped to think like, okay, based on, um, based on the resources I have right now, what is progress going to feel like today? Like what's the best gift I can give knowing that like maybe some days you really only have half an hour of awesome in you. And sometimes you have like a solid four hours of awesome in there yeah. somewhere. And just try to like, I tried to map it on the day because I'm just someone who yes. always needs to feel that experience of progress or else I feel a little nuts. So I was like, okay, what's the best gift I can give? And then and then the second you reach it, just try to like, then you shut it down. <laughs> like, okay, and now it's time to just make an easier phone call or spend some quality time with someone, but but try not to ask quite so much of yourself after that. Well, you know, that's interesting because I think there is this expectation that we have on ourselves for consistency. Like yeah. I should be able to be consistently productive or I should be able mm. to do something every day or I should yeah. be able to make progress in this way. And it is very helpful to think about like, well, today's a day where I can expect more for myself and today's a day where I just haven't identified those few things and that's going to be enough. And then I'll wait for a day to tackle something else when it just feels more within reach rather than beating myself up if today's just a day when that's going to feel a lot harder than if I just picked a different day. And if we could just have like a little bit of a different, a little bit more generosity for ourselves for what progress might even feel like. Like I'm the kind of person who wakes up in the morning and is like, all right, I will measure my life by this 24 hours. (laughs) It's actually super dumb. (laughs) I mean, like some days are a burner. I mean, they really are. And like, you don't get to control what happens. And then other days you're like, wait a minute, I could like, I could sprint through this day. So just trying to figure out like, all right, what's the rhythm of this? Um, Because I think we're all kind of trying to figure out, like, we all have competing loves in our lives. We've got, like, people who rely on us and people we want to rely on and and things we wish we could do. Like, we've got a lot hanging on all all of us. And so how do we give our best gifts and then pause long enough to realize, like, okay, am I also giving them to the people who need the most? Mm. So not just, you don't, otherwise I get a little addicted to, um, just wanting to know that I tried my hardest. And that's actually not always the best measure for things. Because, mm. like, all my kid wants is that I sit very still and look at the Lego-shaped heart Mother's Day present he made for me, which accompanied a deer skull he also found <laughs> in the yard. <laughs> like, that's that's his version of quality time. It's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's actually, like, his measure of enough. It's just It just wasn't mine until I thought about it. My question, Kate, is you're in a, in terms of COVID-19, you're vulnerable. Um, and yeah, um, I technically am too, because I'm type one, probably less obviously vulnerable than you. But how much time yeah. do you spend worrying about it? Or do you? Oh, because, yeah. I, you know, or my writing partner is an only parent. So she's really worried about getting it because if it were bad, 
her daughter, you know, she'd have, if she were in the hospital, that would be a big problem. Yeah. So, like, yeah. how much space do you give it? How do you handle it? Uh, well, I, do you mind if I ask, what do you do? Do you, uh, do you, like, set aside time to learn things and then shut it down or— well, I'm really I'm struggling with it because I sort of don't have a real sense of how vulnerable I really am. So I'm like, yeah. is this okay? Is that okay? Is this okay? Yeah. Should I be uh, completely in a you know hermetically sealed container? Or you know, yeah. I just it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. And then, I mean, I, I feel kind of similarly. I'm in a I'm in an immunotherapy cohort where there's just not enough information about us. So I might be very vulnerable or pretty fine. And I I can't know the difference. Right. And mm-hmm. I think not knowing the difference really messes with us. Yes. Because you're right. We can't run the math on risk. And then there's too many choices. And then we get paralyzed. So I do... Um, I've actually, this sounds so anal, but I've set like a two-week fear schedule where it's like, all right, every two weeks, I'm just going to look at the look at the choices I've made and decide if I'm going to do anything differently. Oh. And then that way I don't have to like constantly oh. worry or constantly stress or or like try to re-up in the news. That's and a then great I'm like, idea. Okay. We've talked about scheduling time to worry every day, which oh, is awesome. strangely helpful for people who kind of always have it running in the background. But totally. this is interesting. So are you reevaluating based on kind of new information that maybe has yeah. come in? Yeah. Well, I learned this from a friend of mine, Ray, who works in pediatric oncology. So he works with kids with cancer. And he he taught that to families about like how you make really hard decisions about surgery. He said, look, like in the future, you're going to know things you didn't know now. And that might drive you absolutely nuts to know, oh, I would have done this. I would have done that. So, like, write the date down. (gasps) You talk about this in your book, and yet I I didn't think about it in this context about how you could adapt this way. Because he said it's about managing regret, too, and questioning yourself. And Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, like, every decision is a time capsule, right? It's just about what you thought at that very moment. And we're not omniscient. We're not even that great at processing <laughs> risk. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've read all those books about cognitive errors, but apparently we're yeah. just all morons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So even if we think we're doing a great job, we're probably not. Yeah, <laughs> my, my daughter's actually taking an exam on that today. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so every couple of weeks, I just decide, um, there's actually a couple people I trust to just help me make better choices. And then I read up and I ask a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, these are the choices that I can live with. Because it's almost like we have to live with a story of the choices we made. Mm-hmm. Like, because in the future, something might happen and we just, we we didn't know. But we need also to have said like, right. that I, I couldn't have known. Yes. Well, I think it would eliminate decision fatigue because one of the things that's so exhausting, which is, is this okay? Is this not okay? Under this scenario, yeah. it's okay. And then this scenario, I'm being ridiculously overcautious. And this one, I'm being risk, t- I'm yeah. a big risk taker. And you just wear yeah. yourself out. This way, you're sort of like, I'm going to make a decision, and then I will. I know when I'm going to reevaluate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ask myself, like, what are other people doing about this yes. every day yes. when you look at the news and yes. other people tell you stories yes. and all the like, have you heard about the? I just need for two weeks to shut out all the, have you heard about the? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> my brain can't handle it. I'm just not, I'm not smart enough to handle all those variables. Now, here's a question for you. Now, you... You teach so many people who are going to be ministers, and you work with so many people who are ministers or are training to be ministers. And for those whose work it is to minister, 
How do they think and talk about an event oh. like this in a way in, in a way that might help ordinary yeah. people? Oh, because this is a game time, you know. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, because like, so many of them. <laughs> yes. You got to bring it now. <laughs> yeah, sorry, no one wants your yeah. very abstract <laughs> answers about Jesus. I just want you to be there for them. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's funny. I think I think maybe that profession in particular is sort of trained accidentally into thinking that their job is to have answers. Like, oh, no, I've got this really oh, robust series of thoughts about <laughs> like how the church works. And, and like now yeah. is just the time for presence. It's the time for like deep compassion. And, and like people are so hungry to be affirmed in their fear and their uncertainty and their unknowing. And so I think it's a, I think it's, such a great time to be in a in a pastoral job or in any kind of caregiving profession i think because what people want from us more than answers is to look back at like a face of love and to know like even in the worst moments of our lives we're not alone and we're actually like oh like that feeling like we're we're remade by each other's presence and like that and that will be in the worst times, that will be enough. What I love about what you're saying, Kate, is that really applies to all of us, not just ministers. Mm. I mean, we all mm. can just be present for people. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. um, and it's a good reminder. Yeah. But one thing that's hard about this time is our instinct is to come right. together and to be present physically and to come yeah, close and to touch and to show up. And so I yeah. think it is hard. I mean, the technology, of course, makes it so much better. Yeah, but we've lost most of our arsenal of presence. And I think, I know chaplains right now are feeling it so much because they're literally on the other side of glass, like desperate to hold. Their right. their main thing was like, yes, but if I can't reach you in any other way, at least I can hold your hand. And yeah. now they can't do that. No, I remember when you talked about being in the hospital and the importance of somebody like putting their hand on your head or just their hand on your arm and how just that human connection yeah. in the middle of the night or whatever was so important. And we all feel yeah. that. We know that. Yeah. And like food and running errands, like all the kind of high touch stuff is the stuff we're craving right now. And it is hard to find things that break through the tech, the, the, the like the mediums right now that are keeping us apart when we're like, you know, we're skin hungry, yes. we're touch hungry, mm -hmm. we're just like love hungry. All those people who are you know, so many people who are in really hard professions yes. and feel tired and lonely or they're folks who are living alone. Yes. They, um, it is hard and demands a lot of absurd creativity <laughs> to find ways to reach inside their lives. So do you have any great examples of absurd creativity? I mean, part of it is just relentlessly connecting, just, you yes. know, just yes. keeping up, not yeah. forgetting to call yeah. or text or... Yeah. Is there anything yeah. else you could and, see say that people... Well... And try to figure out, like, what is the language of love that is going to get through to this person in this season? Mm. Like, I'm thinking about mm. this, like, my my adorable parents. Uh, they have an elderly uh, friend who's lost most of his senses and is in the hospital and is in a great deal of pain. And they thought, well, what? I mean, we can't talk mm. to him. We can't go visit him. What can we do? And my dad thought, well, what if I just put together, like I got like an old iPod and just packed it full of beautiful music that I knew that he loved. Ah. And so, and then ah. sent it to the hospital, like a gorgeous playlist that he could oh, just listen to. Idea. And it's hard to find those languages of love, but I think it's on all of us 
if we're one of those people who have a tiny bit extra yes. to figure out, like, who do I give my extra to today? Yeah, mm. that's so right. Well, Kate, probably out of your own desire to connect with other people and to find new, innovative, uh, absurd, creative ways to connect, you've started this Life Together Apart um, online. So what is that uh, for people? Yeah, we set it up. This is my, the we is my team at the Everything Happens Project. We're at uh, Duke and we're just like a little cluster of go-getters. And we thought, well, what if we made like a digital platform so that people could sign on and then have an online community forum and then watch a video together and then have a space to discuss their needs and questions with an accompanying journal so that they could do daily reflections. I know you're really into journaling too. And uh, mm. so it just has like a little a poem and kind of a little practice that we've started just especially for the pandemic, which is kind of a battery check. Like you wake up in the morning and you're trying to ask that question, like, what do I have to give right. today? And then if you have extra, just like who are the people that are on your heart to love today? And then just to do a little kind of reflection practice and then and then be able to reflect back what you're learning on this online platform. So almost right away, I mean, we had several thousand people sign up in just wow. a couple of weeks. And I, I think it's because people are so hungry for something like the intimacy that we're missing and the desire to say, I don't know what better yeah. looks like right now, but I, I hope I can learn a little something about togetherness, even if I feel so lonely. So that's just the kind of daily stuff we're doing together. Well, in a much kind of more casual way, Elizabeth and I started doing these Instagram live conversations every weekday at four. Nice. And again, it was just like, Let's connect. Let's create a community. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to like feel yeah. like they're yeah. like in this yes. with other people and get some perspective yeah. and some ideas and, and just feel That's connected so to other people. So if people want to check this out, what's the best? Where should they go? Yeah, it's at lifetogetherapart.com or there's a link that's also on my website. (laughs) I like it when it's not complicated. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Kate, we ask everybody who's a guest on the show if they have a tried this at home suggestion that they want to propose to listeners. Do you have a tried this at home? (laughs) Well, this one, uh, my six-year-old son has taught me. I am positive that he is Calvin from Calvin Hobbes. He is forever living in an exciting adventure world that may or may not include uh, my permission. And uh, he's always doing something uh, full of discovery and completely bizarre in which it requires micro-attention. So um, this morning, uh, a chicken wandered into our yard from a neighbor and he immediately named it Butter Chicken, which I thought was hysterical. (laughs) And, and demanded that we stop absolutely everything and just, like, <gasps> stare at the chicken and then draw pictures of the chicken. Ah. And, like, his brain makes me, I always think of it as my, like, slow it down, this is it. Like, this is in the whole day, this is it. Like, don't mm. miss it. And, like, that that demand for micro-attention yes. has taught me, like, mm. oh, okay, there's fast and there's slow time. And this kid lives in slow time. And let me live there for a hot minute before I, I rush off to the next thing. That is great. I love, I that. love that. I've never thought about that. that in my life. <laughs> Trying to have slow yeah. time, but it's such a good idea. Kids are really good at it. I'm really bad at it. <laughs> well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited that you're joining the Onward Project with oh, us yes. and Happier in Hollywood and Side Hustle School and Do the Thing. It's wonderful to be in a partnership with you. Oh, I'm so grateful to be on the team. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Okay. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, Kate. Coming up, I give myself a dinner time demerit. But first, <laughs> this break. 
Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars, and this is your week for demerit. Yes, um, and Gretchen, I'm embarrassed about this, but I'm going to tell everyone, maybe others have had the same issue, which is I have not gotten our family eating together. This whole time we're at home, it would be very easy for us to eat dinner together or any meal together, but we don't. I think we've only had dinner together, the three of us, twice um, in this whole period of being safer at home. And I just, everyone, you know, there's so much about how important it is to eat a meal as a family, and we're just missing the boat. But can I say it probably matters now less than it ever has because all you're spending all your time together as a family. So I think dinner time is like, make sure that you have that time, but you're, you're together all the time. Well, that is a good point. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> give myself such a hard time about this. But it would be a nice habit to get into. Usually, we're all on different schedules, and who knows in the future if we'll be in different schedules again, but I don't know. It would be nice. Well, so what do, what do people do, if I may ask? Just different things. I mean, sometimes I make something for Jack, like pasta, and then I have a frozen dinner, and Adam has his thing. Or even if we order in, a lot of times Jack eats over in his corner, and I eat in the office, and Adam eats watching <laughs> some car show. So we just go off into our own corners. So I I need to like pull out the mom card and be like, hey, let's talk and connect. So I'll report back. Report back. Interesting. Okay, Gretch, what is your gold star this week? Yeah, so this gold star uh, was suggested to me by our mother who told me about the Desert Island Disc podcast. Now, Desert Island Discs is a BBC radio show that has been going since 1942. It was named by a panel of experts as the greatest, wow. greatest radio program of all time. There are more than 3,000 radio episodes, and now a huge number, maybe all of them, I don't know, are available by podcast. Now, I had heard about this forever, but I think a lot of people in the United States maybe haven't heard of Desert Island Discs, but they are wonderful. And what the idea of it is, is that the host interviews some prominent guest, some famous person, about his or her life. And the architecture of it is that the person chooses eight songs, a book, and a luxury to take to a desert island. So it's not just an interview because there's this element of music to it, which really elevates it, I think. So I just discovered mm. it, and I've already listened to Daniel Radcliffe, Faye Weldon, Stephen King, and Quentin Blake. And uh, they're just wonderful and sort of very consistent and very reliable, and you can just pick and choose. There's a bazillion of them, so you just pick and choose the people you're interested in, or you can listen to all of them. I think it's just a, it's just a great podcast to know about. That's good. And everyone's looking for things to maybe get a break from the news, and this is perfect because it has nothing to do with the news. So check it out, Desert Island Discs. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Get grounded in your body. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thanks to Kate Bowler. Listen to her wonderful podcast, Everything Happens. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter, at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and rate or review us. We so appreciate that. And check out the other podcasts in the Onward Project, Happier in Hollywood, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing, and Now Everything Happens. The resources for this week. Many people are using this time of staying safe at home to clear clutter. 
If you would like to print out my manifesto for outer order, you can get it at GretchenRubin.com slash resources. Just scroll down to where you see outer order inner calm. Also, as this COVID-19 situation has continued, I have been able to do more reading. And um, now that I can focus, books are my refuge and my playground. Once again, if you love books as much as I do, one way you can support your local indie bookstore is going to bookshop.org. That's a way it makes it easy to find and support local bookstores by buying online. And there are also a lot of recommendations. That's bookshop.org. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Gretchen, I will say one of the only times I actually forced us all to have dinner together, we had fun because we asked questions from Jack's um, book. It's this, like, would you rather scenarios, you know, like, would you rather uh, yeah. swim with sharks oh, fun. or, yeah. you know, meet a dolphin? And sure. um, we were actually talking and laughing, so. Oh, that's good. Plus, you had I your should... car picnic. Don't forget the car picnic. Oh, that's true. That's three <laughs> times we've eaten together. From the Onward Project.